it may seem like I have it all together, but the struggle's real. And it's the lesson learned that make you stronger and your failures and learning from those failures as well. But the key takeaways, I would say, is establish your personal branding. Know what it is and use them to enhance your career. Be impactful. You know, make a difference. Be bold. You know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Steer your career because no one's going to steer it for you. And last but not least, be you. Be your authentic, genuine self. You're listening to Flipping the Barrel Podcast, a women's perspective in oil and gas. We are your hosts, Macy and Jamie. And our mission here is simple, to bring you the untold stories of this industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Flipping the Barrel, a podcast where we interview leaders in the energy space to uncover and find out more about their career and life journey. Today, we have the fabulous Taya Williams-Alfred, who is currently the Global Sales Director at SLB. (laughs) We were so lucky to have Taya at our last event, Pursuing Greatness, and she's a fan favorite. And so I know tons of people are going to be tuning in today to find out more about your background. Now, a little bio about Taya. Throughout her 20-year career with SLB, she has worked and traveled in over 50 countries, including the Middle East, Angola, Tanzania, and Congo, Europe, and now the UK. Wow, talk about world traveler over here. Can't wait to dig into your story and find out more about that. And Taya's upbringing in education and family core values really gave her the ambition to empower, lead, and mentor others. Taya's passion and vision are to build a legacy in the community as her parents instilled this in her from an early age and made sure for her to impact the lives of others with knowledge. So Taya, thank you so much for being on Flipping the Barrel today. We've been wanting to do your podcast for such a long time, and it's truly an honor for us to interview you. Well, if I had to give anybody an award for the biggest and best smile, it's Taya. Y'all could see her right now if you're listening. Her smile (laughs) is so infectious. So thank you, like Marcel was saying, for coming on. And let's just really get into it. You know, let's start back where Marcel kind of mentioned in your intro that your parents instilled a lot in you. So, you know, you were born in a small town outside of Houston, actually the South Side, Brazoria. You knew from a young age that you wanted to do something bigger for Taya. You wanted to go to college, you wanted to get a good degree, and you wanted to make a name for yourself and leave the small town. That was a really big goal you had. There was a lot of people that told you, Taya, you are dreaming way too big. This is not going to happen for you. But you did not let them change your mindset. Can you tell us a little bit more about your upbringing and how these barriers that could have really played against you, you overcame them and you are where you are today? Firstly, thank you, Marcel and Jamie, for this amazing opportunity. I'm just truly in awe on your journey to advocate and actively promote women empowerment and women leadership. I'm truly honored to be here and I'm humbled to be in this space to share with you my journey as well as the viewers. So you mentioned I am from a small town outside of Houston. I normally say Houston because it's easier, but my population was about, it's about 4,000 people. So the demographics are about 50% white, 32% Hispanic, 13% black, My high school graduation, which was Sweeney High School, even though I'm from Bazoria, was 121 students. So very small. Everyone knows everyone. If you heard of that television show called Cheers, where everyone knows your name and your family's name, that's true. So naturally, people there don't think big, which means you graduate, you go to college, and then you come back and you serve the community, which is great, right? However, you just kind of have that mindset of just 
not really seeing the world, but just kind of staying within that kind of community. So my father and my mother taught us differently. They had to gave us some different mindset to see the world, achieve anything, never give up, always give our best because you never know who's watching. My dad would always say, don't mess up my name. And so we (laughs) we actually did just that. We basically were different, my brother and myself. I remember one time a school professional actually said, and this was, I was in high school and I was applying for college. And he said, you will never be accepted to a division one college university. You should actually aim for something more achievable. And I was like, hmm, my parents always told me to think big. You know, I have a younger brother. Hmm. So I applied anyway. So I got in, of course, I went to UT Austin and I told my parents and my parents the next day went to the school and say, hey, my daughter got into UT Austin. So with that being said, there's nothing wrong with growing up in a a small town. My brother, family, friends, we had a great upbringing, but you have to think big. You have to overcome those barriers and think larger. And they say if it's something that you can achieve, that means you're not thinking big enough. I just have to say really quickly, because you said you went to UT Austin. I mean, yes. Like, come on, that's one of the top schools in Texas. I bet you love telling the guy or the woman, whoever told you that, like, hey, guess, actually, I'm going to UT, which is one of the most favorable colleges of all. So just really incredible. I just had to make that note here for those that aren't aware of that. Yes, yes. It's a story. I actually go back to the schools and colleges and say, if you want to think and go back and be a fireman, a teacher and all those things are great, but think big, you know. And if you think big and say, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be the president, I want to be a doctor, you can do those things. You can actually do those things in the community, but definitely think big. I love it. I think think big should be the title of the podcast because (laughs) it's it's truly a reflection of your entire career and just life journey of never stop thinking big and dreaming. Today's episode is brought to you by Veril Energy Solutions. Did you know that Veril has been around since 1947? They're originally known for their drill bits, but through several acquisitions, investments, and rebranding, they now offer a diversified portfolio in drilling and completions. One of their core competencies is actually global manufacturing of consumable downhole products. They solve the industry supply chain problems. We've chosen to partner with Veril because they simply get it. They focus on their employees, they're committed to diversity and inclusion, and they know their only true sustainable advantage is their people. To learn more and stay up to date, please go to www.veril.com. Veril Energy Solutions, beyond technology, beyond normal. know, you mentioned that your dad has always played a really big role in who you are today from a young age, especially pushing you and telling you to dream big. He pushed you to get out of your comfort zone and supported you in anything that you wanted to do. He was by your side through the challenges, ups, downs, victories, etc. What are some lessons that you can share with us that maybe when you close your eyes and think of your dad is one that shows up? Ah, that's a very good question and an emotional one at the same time. So my dad is actually my hero. He's a role model and he's actually my best friend. And you reminded of those things actually later on in life because I lost my father a couple of years ago. So he raised us to be leaders. He raised us to be mentors. He raised us to advocate for doing the right thing and always give 100%. And these were things that were uniquely important, right? And not only did he do this for us, but he did this to the community. He was a listening ear. He was a leader. He was a dad to many students and friends and family members that didn't have a dad. 
You say my smile. I got my smile from my dad. He was actually a bright sunshine. He would bake a cake whenever someone was feeling down or lost a loved one. He basically, as a summary, he actually brought the best out of a person. He actually taught you to be your best self, right? So a few of the nuggets that he always taught me and my brother and anyone else, right? He would say, you were created for greatness and excellence. You're victorious, not a victim. Remember to give back because someone always gave to you. Each one, teach one, which means that we should always continue to give back and keep being impactful. And with that, just be impactful with your knowledge and share with others. One of the last final words he said was actually, you know, glory to be that you are able to be impactful and share your knowledge to others. How wild is that, right? So because of that, my dad, we actually started a foundation on behalf of my dad. We call it Sam's Feathers Youth Foundation. And in this foundation, one of our missions is to cultivate an environment where students and youth are empowered and inspired to be their best self, to achieve their highest aspirations. So hopefully I can do that nugget. I share that nugget. I'm living his legacy and hopefully I can share my passion with others so they can actually achieve their highest aspirations. Taya, I mean, your father would be so proud of you right now. I mean, he is, he's listening right now as you're talking and you were following through with just that. And it just shows throughout your story, you know, what we're about to get into with just university and what happened there, you know, really even at that and those moments in your life, you were living exactly what your father taught you. So to start there, let's go back to, you studied petroleum engineering at UT Austin which is a heavily male-dominated field, especially at the time when you were there, where now it's a lot more push for STEM and education for women, and we're really honing in on that. But at that time, it wasn't that way, especially not very diverse either, so culturally or racially. So there, you know, you definitely didn't walk in and totally see yourself in that room. You were actually one of the only African-American females in your class at that time, and you graduated at the top of your class, which is incredible. Then you went on to work at Somershay as a wireline field engineer in McAllen, Texas, and that is where you started your oil field career. Let's really dive into both of these things. Like, how did you manage through all that adversity? I mean, you first you went to this university that you were told, hey, you're never going to get in. And you got in, graduated top of your class. Nobody looked like you while you were there. You persevered through all of that. You then took a wireline field engineer job where you went to the field. And once again, you're in a situation where you are the oddball, like nobody probably looks like you or had the same background as you, you know. What were the thoughts going through your mind and how did you stay, you know, on that path that you wanted and didn't allow anybody to, you know, make you change your mind on really what your goal was? Oh, that's a lot. I know. So, (laughs) well, I actually get motivated by being the underdog. And those people saying it's the minority, right? So as you mentioned, majority of my life, even from my upbringing, I've been a minority in the class. You know, even in the honor classes, I was one or two African-Americans in the class. It became sadly the norm. It became the reality that, you know, it's natural that I'm going to be the only female. There may be a few other females, probably going to be the only Black person in the room. Instead of taking it as a negative feedback, I took it as me being motivated when someone challenged my education, when someone challenged my knowledge, when someone challenged my skill set. I began to show them that I can perform just as well or even better at times than anyone else. So a funny story is and during my internship, it, this was with Slumberjay at the time, now SOB, as we all know. As you mentioned, I did it, started off in McAllen as a wireline field engineer. And someone told me I couldn't move a tool. Because, you know, at this time, 20 plus years, 
is not normal with what you see women in the field. I later began to work offshore, but you definitely don't see women as much in the field. So I said, really, I can't move this tool? I said, okay. I evaluated the situation. I looked and I said, hmm, I believe I can move this tool. So they're looking like, okay, because at that time you have some people, they bet to see how long you're going to stay. And at first I was like, oh, is this a female thing? Is this a black thing? No, this is just a new thing (laughs) because, you know, the industry, which has changed quite a bit, you know, it's pretty demanding. Right. So I said, "Okay, I'm going to show them it's a challenge, like challenge on. So I was like, "Okay." so I demonstrated how to move the tool safely, properly and effectively. And I didn't let that communication and that feedback discourage me. Right. So with that, I've taken that lesson learned to pretty much anything in life. I actually appreciate diversity of thoughts and I actually show that my skill set adds value and in return it's recognized, right? Now in that moment, of course, I'm saying these things, I'm coming off very confident. Of course, in my head, there's self-doubt. There's what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I don't have to do that, et cetera. But then I remember my dad told me not to quit, never give up. I can do anything I put my mind to, right? So I strongly believe that representation matters, right? And it does. So if you keep that attitude and you know your skill set and you know your values, you have a purpose and you just remember that I was taught not to give up and we should think big and we should also not give up. I love that, Taya. And on that topic of just for people to know who you are, you're very big into personal branding and you're very passionate about this topic. And, you know, it's this big new hot topic that everybody's asking about. We see tons of webinars around how to build your personal brand. And this is something that I truly believe you're excellent at. Tell us a little bit about what is personal branding? What is Taya's personal brand? And how did you create one? Because it's not, I'm sure you didn't have a personal brand, you know, 20 years ago when you started. When did you develop it? And was there, like, how did you sit down and think about it? How did it come to be? I'm glad you said that. I probably didn't have a personal brand. I probably did have one. I just didn't realize what it was. I thought it was something different. (laughs) This topic is very, very important to me. You asked me, when did I realize how important this topic was? It was about two years ago. And that's because going through my career and my journey, and I know we'll talk about that a bit more. You think your personal branding should be, as you were taught, be a hard worker, be a good performer. You know, people will recognize you. All those are very important, but those aren't considered personal branding, right? Personal brandings are unique attributes that would help you excel, something that makes you stand out from someone else. These characteristics give you superpowers. What are your superpowers? There's only one Superman, only one Superwoman. Everyone has their own individual superpowers, which is why this is so important when it comes to uh, personal branding. So as you mentioned, (laughs) a few years ago, a while back ago, I realized that my key stakeholders didn't recognize my personal branding. I got comments, oh, Taya, you have high energy. Great. Those are great comments. Oh, you work really hard. Team player, 100% great comments. I'm not knocking those comments. But as you get older, you're like, I'm a leader. I do many other things in the community. My personal branding is important to me. There's something that I may not be doing right to actually articulate that personal branding of my leadership. Not that I just have a good energy. I'm a good hype woman and that I can get the job done with the team, right? Mm -hmm. So... Personal branding is not what you think of yourself. It's actually what people actually say about you. Mm-hmm. And it's what they say about you and advocate for you when you're not in the room. So I took this challenge and I asked three or five people, different circles, 360 feedback, professional people, as well as personal people. What are some strengths? What are some development areas? What are my characteristic traits? People will say different things, but if you actually write them down, then you will see that there's some common themes 
right? Of what your personal branding is. And then you was like, hmm, if there's some things, oh, Taya may be mean. I'm not a mean person. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> but if there's some things that you don't, that you hear about your personal branding that you don't like, it gives you an opportunity to change that. And so that's why personal branding is important. It's what is it? And then how do you embrace it? And if you don't like it, change it, right? So these are one of the things I say, okay, personal branding, my superpowers. And what people don't realize is that when you have those superpowers, you can do anything. You can do a task that you've never done before because your personal branding is within you and you can actually take that personal branding somewhere else, right? So with that, I actually named my personal branding after my name, Taya. And what that means is that I am a team player. I strongly believe that you have to lead a team, but you have to have a team. And if you have a strong team that trusts you, then you can do whatever, right? So a part of my personal branding is a team player. Also, it is trustworthy and transparent. I'm a very transparent person, if you can't tell already. Mm -hmm. But you find out is that if people are trans, if you're transparent with the person, then they are transparent with you. That also builds a strong team foundation to know that you're in it together. And then you're also trustworthy and you need that to be in a good team, right? And because of that, I'm able to do my creative initiative things and energy and drive, which is a trailblazer. I strongly believe if there's a problem, come up with a solution. I actually like to create innovative programs. I've done quite a bit in my career that's never been done before. Even this foundation, there's no mentorship program like this. I've done things in recruiting. I've done things in communication. It's a trailblazer and doing things that's never been done before, sometimes challenging the status quo, but I don't like being the last. It kind of goes back to building a legacy and what my dad talked about earlier, right? So trailblazer means, okay, you start something, you see a problem, you come up with a solution, you do it, but then you keep building that legacy and impacting on it to keep moving it in the future, right? So that's my unique personal branding. And if you notice, you can bring that, whether it's an HR, you can bring that in leadership management with the new company, your current company, any skill set, technology, anything you can think of, you can use those attributes that give you a superpower. So if you don't know what your personal branding is, figure it out, figure out ways to embrace it, enhance it, and, you know, let that shine throughout. What I love about what you said, Taya, is you gave actionable ways, like super simple ways to go and figure out your personal brand. Go and ask, you know, your friends, go and ask a colleague, go and ask someone you trust. You know, and that's such an easy thing to do. And then all of a sudden you've got a list of things that people have described you as some probably good, some probably stuff you could work on. But I mean, it's such an actionable way to really identify what your personal brand is today and how you can make it better. So thank you for sharing this, that and making it so easy to like understand and digestible, which this really kind of plays into your career progression. And there was a time where you're working in the field. It was five, like for five years or so. And then you went into recruiting role, account manager role. And then about 12 years in, you were pretty stagnant and you were like, what's going on? I work hard. I'm meeting all of my deliverables. I'm meeting all the goals. Why am I not like progressing like everybody else's? Or you just felt like there was something that just wasn't aligning. Then you decided at some point that you were, you know what? I'm going to be the CEO of my career now. Like I've been waiting for somebody to come to me and tell me, hey, Taya, you're doing great. Here's your next position. And you're like, no, I'm going to take control of it. And I'm going to navigate these next few years and make sure that I get to where I want to be. And I'm not going to wait for somebody to come to me. Can you tell us how that worked out for you? And like, what was your first step in like really taking control of your career? So first of all, after 10 years, you realize it kind of sinks in. <laughs> As you mentioned, I love my field work. 
in the field environment, but I did it for five and a half years. And then the other roles, you know, you did them for three years, four years, et cetera. But what I noticed that my peers were moving past me. So I was like, okay, you definitely have to work hard. As I said earlier, you have to be a good performer. You have to highlight and deliver your results and what you're doing. That is also very true. But my family and my father taught me it's not what you know all the time. It's who you know. So research shows that is network and visibility is what takes you to the next level. Now, you have to be a good performer, as I mentioned earlier, but you also have to network and have that visibility. So after about 10 years, I said, OK, I need to do something different. I strongly believe if you're doing the same thing, and you want different results. We always say that's insanity. And I don't perceive myself to be an insane person. So I was like, OK, what can I actually do differently to actually change my you know, personal branding? my career progression, et cetera. So I went to this women leadership conference and I've been to several women leadership conferences, right? But this one was different. There were some high executives there and leaders there. And there was a panel and they were talking about coaching and mentorship and visibility and knowing your qualities and how do you embrace them, enhance them and showcase them, et cetera. So after that, I went to one of the panelists and I say, I really, you know, enjoyed your topic and it was very relatable. Will you be my executive coach? Now, completely, I was like, oh, my God, you know, they could say no, whatever. But I recognized I needed an executive coach and a sponsor at that time to highlight and showcase what I already knew what I was doing with hardworking. So they said, you have a nice smile. So sure. Okay, I agree. The smile worked for me. Fine. So with that executive coach, only talked to them briefly at the time, but I noticed that things change, right? And so that's why it's important to get mentorship, which is also different than getting a coach, because there are people that can give you that confidence and help you highlight your talents, network to show your visibility. I did the same thing I've been doing for 10 years before. I don't want to say that I'm a different person and mm-hmm. it's still me, right? But the difference is I was showcasing it differently. I was networking. I was using my elevator pitch. I was meeting the right people and saying, hey, Ty, you can do this. She's a trailblazer. She can, you have a problem, Ty, you can solve it. Whatever, whatever that pitch was. And from that moment, I literally saw a change in my career. The working hard, performance, delivering results was still there. But then it got, it became to the point where my networking and visibility and personal branding, that actually was like an elevator highlight or enhancement on top of my skill set. And now a little word from our sponsor, Technip FMC. Macy, you know what I appreciate about them as a sponsor is their mission is directed towards a more inclusive and diverse workforce. One of the reasons why we started this podcast was to move the industry forward, and they back that belief. Their focus is creating a culture of inclusion that will attract, develop, and retain a more diverse, talented group and ensure their employees can always bring their authentic selves to work. Beyond the DNI, they're also big into technologies. They believe in change and innovation in everything they do. Their offerings range from individual products and services to fully integrated solutions with a single interface to ensure a seamless execution. Their core focus is on the energy transition, emerging materials, and digital industrialization. To find out more about their most popular technologies like iProduction, iComplete, eMission, and iEPCI, Go to technipfmc.com. And now back to the show. You know, I think a lot of people listening to the podcast will relate to a lot of what you're saying in the sense that we all hit 
just a stagnation in our careers at some point. And you're right. You're looking around, you're saying, I'm working hard. I'm putting in all the efforts, but I'm getting nowhere. But along the road, the people who are, or who have been in your corner, they're getting ahead and you're thinking, what are they doing different? And so I think it's really valuable to your point is if you really do want to excel, it is good to get a coach or a mentor or just people who will help you develop those little skills that maybe we can't do on our own. And visibility and network is key, like you mentioned. So thank you for sharing that. One thing we want to ask you is, in general, they always say, you know, women are loud enough. They don't raise their hands enough. They don't take a seat at the table. They don't showcase too much confidence. They don't voice their opinions as much, which that is true looking at like an overall maybe. But to your point, you're loud, you're bold, you speak up to things that maybe you think are wrong, you voice your concerns, et cetera. That's just who you are. Now, women usually hear that when they do have those attributes, it's usually negative towards the corporate world where it's like you're aggressive, you're too loud, et cetera. So how have you been able to kind of overcome that kind of feedback? And do you have to change when you get that kind of feedback or how do you take different feedbacks and criticisms and like label them, take, don't take, et cetera. So very good point. It makes you think as well, like what is loud? You know, like when people say women are loud, like what does that mean? Am I yelling? Am I screaming? You know, it just, it takes things into perspective, right? So Mm -hmm. I think perception and perspective is very important. And you're right. You know, there's tons of things that say when a woman says something, they're coming off, you know, aggressive. When a man says something, it's coming off their assertive and their leader. Why is that? It's really unfortunate. Well, one thing I realized is you can be a leader and empathetic. You can also be a leader and not what they consider loud and get your points across and be, you know, assertive at the same time. It just means you're confident. There's nothing wrong with being confident. There was a time in my career of many, many, many stories. Someone told me that I was too confident. And I'm pretty sure you... Jamie and myself heard this before. The viewers on the call would have heard this before. We've all heard you can be aggressive, especially when we use our hands and our facial expressions. But overly confident is, I was like, wow. So then at first I had to take a step back to your point, Marcel, when you said, okay, how do you take this feedback? And I was like, well, what do you mean too confident? Because that's typically a positive trait, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just, you know, just too confident. You know, you think you can do everything. <laughs> When you actually ask the person and you ask the question, what do you mean when they say you're aggressive? What do you mean when they say you're too confident? Just listen to the feedback. And then I realized, hmm, I'm confident because I communicate with tact and professionalism. I'm confident because I'm speaking with confidence and authority, not aggressive, but just confidence and authority. What's wrong with that? Hmm. So what I started to do was reframe. A lot of times when we get feedback, we automatically assume it's negative and it very well may be negative, but it's not about what people say. It's about how you actually respond to the feedback. One, one person's feedback does not mean the world's feedback. So the first thing I said was, who says I'm too confident? Do you think I'm too confident? And so then it started being like, oh, you know, many people. Well, who are people? Yeah. People. So when you ask the question, then you kind of dig down to where is this coming from? And you realize that some people may be, they may feel threatened by your skill set. They may feel threatened by your confidence. They may feel threatened by the job, whatever reason. But we choose to decide if we want to take that feedback negative. We can easily take that feedback as positive. So what I decided to do when someone says, Ty, you're too confident. Thank you. And the wise book in the chapter says, just say thank you. Thank you. That is a compliment. In my mind, I reframed that. That was a compliment. 
They were sharing that I was that was a compliment. And that is a compliment because I communicated with my skill set, with professionalism and tact. And that means I'm confident. Thank you. I love that. And I think that there are so many people listening, including Marcel and I, that's like, there's so many ways you can look at feedback, you can look at people's comments, and you can take them. It's all how you perceive and how you take them, how you read them. And you, in your mind, can make them negative or positive. You can make them ruin your day, make them lift up your day. And you really chose the high road every time. And, you know, not saying that you don't take that feedback and maybe change just a little bit of maybe how you approach certain people because you know that it's a trigger for them. But still, you are aware and you're not taking it as a negative where it's like ruining the rest of your day or the position that you're in. So I'm just really glad that you shared how you have been able to overcome that. Because I think a lot of us, including myself, I really love that advice. So thank you, Taya. And not only that, Jamie, it's a lot of times when we take feedback, we take that energy home. Yeah. So a person can say something and they forgot about it. But at home, you're like, okay, let me talk to it with my spouse or my kids or my friends. And you're thinking about this feedback for days and days and days, and they're stealing your joy. They've already forgotten about it. So why would we let anyone steal our joy? One of my mentees told me that. You don't let anyone steal your joy, right, as we do the sessions. You don't because you can choose to reframe and take that feedback as positive and go about your day. Mm, I love it. Yes. Do not steal our joy. (laughs) I love it. So that kind of goes to, you know, you talk about this, you talk about kind of where you've come today, how you've overcome all of this. But there was a time actually where you didn't think this way and you actually wanted to be like other people because you thought that's what you had to in order to achieve the goals that you wanted. And we all know that it's really exhausting pretending to be like somebody else. Can you tell us about this experience and what you learned from it? So you're right. It is truly, truly, truly exhausting with being with trying to be like someone else. Right. You can't even bring your true full self to work or to your environment, your family when you're trying to be like someone else. And not only that, but you also can't highlight your superpowers or your personal branding when you're trying to be like someone else. So an example in my career, because you always get these sayings. I don't know. Maybe you've heard it when you're taking on a new role. Wow. You have big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. This person was amazing. That became a trigger, big shoes to fill. Now, why that's a huge compliment to that person, right? And, you know, it's been, even been said to me. And I'm like, wow, that's a huge compliment. But to the person, the successor, then they're thinking, oh, wow, I'm nervous. There's self-doubt. How can I actually go and be like this person, right? And as a successor, you're like, yay. <laughs> so I actually tried to do that. I tried to go several times for three, four months trying to be like my predecessor. And then I was like, you know what? This is mentally exhausting, physically exhausting, draining. And I don't even know what I'm doing anymore because it's not me. So then I say, you know what? Let me stop it. I just had a self-talk reflection with myself and I said, stop it. What got you here in the first place? Now, there is true. What got you here won't get you there. But remind yourself why you're here in the first place. Someone saw something great in you, your value that you can do this job. Someone recognized your skill set. That's why you're here. That's what got you there in the first place. Remember that. And that was probably a part of your personal branding and your superpowers. So the message is be you. Yes, you have big shoes to fill, but you can fill them. Everyone's shoe size is different. Even if it fits, it doesn't fit the same. Right. So I actually have this model now. When I go into a job, I actually enhance the things that works well which means that my predecessor, whatever they did were great. Let me enhance those things. And I also improved the things that didn't work as well because nothing in life is perfect. 
which means there's always things you can improve. And there's always, even if it's great, how do you make it outstanding? Even if it's outstanding, how do you make it amazing? So if you have that attitude, then you go in and you be yourself, do your personal branding and think about it. This person did a great job. Kudos to them. But let me see how I can use my skill set to do just as good or better than a job, better, you know, for that job. And what you realize is you get your own nuggets and you get your own trailblazing thoughts. And you say, every time you have a job, then you should offer and bring something to that job. That way, when you left, when you leave, the trigger is, you know, you have big shoes to fill. So they'll say that. But you will say, OK, Jamie did this. Marcel did that. Taya did this. All are great, but different. So mm-hmm. that's why it's important to be yourself and not go in and try to be exhausting and be like someone else. I love that. And I think. The new era of leadership is definitely pushing on that end of like being yourself, being authentic, being vulnerable. That's the future leaders compared, I would say, to, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, where it was cookie cutter. Everyone had to dress the same, think the same, look the same. And so it's really nice to see that. And being yourself is key because, like you mentioned, it's exhausting trying to be somebody else. And how long can you wear a mask for, right? And so something that I'm really excited to ask you about is we want you to tell us a little bit about Bold, why it's important for organizations to have groups like this, like this ERG. What does this stand for for somebody who's never heard about it? And what exactly is the vision and goals to have a team like Bold, like a group like Bold? And maybe do you have one story that you think that you remember that really highlighted maybe an employee or someone came to you and said, hey, Bold changed me because of this? Okay, so that's great. And BOLD is definitely dear to my heart. So BOLD stands for Black Organization for Leadership and Diversity. And that's actually the ERG, Employee Resource Group, that we actually have within my current company, SOB. And there's many companies, no matter where you are, you have ERGs, right? But the idea of BOLD and what that means is that we wanted to foster an environment for employees that of African descent that it can feel valued, empowered, give the opportunity for career development, um, retention, training, all those things, right? Now, just because we say bold, it doesn't mean you have to be of African descent. I strongly believe in allyship and what it stands for. And overall, it's inclusion in the workplace, which is why we're here. And you realize that if you have inclusion in the workplace, then you're happier performing your job. Several conversations, people are like, oh, this job, this job, this job, any job, right? It doesn't matter if you're talking education. It doesn't matter if you're talking energy industry, medical, et cetera. You have those moments in your job, right? But whenever you actually go in and you say, you know what? This is why I'm here. I'm being impactful to others. I'm doing career development. I'm doing training. I'm giving advice, mentorship. Those things is that we'll be doing bold. So we actually interact quite a bit with the other ERGs that focus on, you know, other things, women empowerment, LGBT plus, the veterans, disability, those things. And you, when you talk to people, you realize that you all have something in common. You want to feel valued. You want to be empowered. You want to feel psychologically safe in your work environment. You want to have career advancement. You want mentorship. You want coaching. You want your voice heard. You want to focus on what matters. All of those are very common. So even though we started bold, we do tons of tons of tons of interaction throughout the community. Just recently, we celebrated International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, which is, you know, a global recognition. It was celebrated on March the 21st. And the only thing that's saying is we stand up for human rights. And so that's something you can do globally because everywhere around the world, you have these feelings of, oh, I don't feel empowered. That was not motivating. Or, hmm, how do I get to the next step in my career? 
Or, you know, hmm, I want to say this, but will they take it a certain way? So we always say with bold, and what we started this, it gets the conversation going, which is perfect, right? But when people ask you questions, then they actually see one from a different perspective. And that's the importance of allies. You fight and you hear things from a different perspective, even though you're not experiencing it. You actually have that empathy of what the other side may feel, which is very, very important. So that's one thing we do in bold. Two, you actually start seeing it from a different performance perspective. So, for example, we're talking about bold, but you can even talk about women empowerment. When you say taking notes, it's mm -hmm. considered a support role. So when men actually hear that, then they'd be like, OK, let me not ask somebody to take notes, a woman, Jamie, let me ask John to take notes. The same thing when it comes to African-American in descent, when it comes to career advancement, representation matters. So when I was a recruiter and even in my field now, when people go in and they see someone like me, an African-American girl from a small town in Sweeney, Texas, and like, wow, she's now a global sales director. That means, wow, I can do that. And a lot of times when you have underrepresented groups, they don't see that this is achievable. So that's one of the stories. And that's the things I hear about Bold. They say, wow, Taya, I see you as a leader. You're being impactful. You're doing things with the executives. You're doing things in the community. That means I can do it too. Absolutely. You can do it as well. I love hearing you talk about this and your passion behind Bold and just the reasons behind doing it and the empathy that one can gather or gain just as an ally. And I'm involved in some of these energies as well. Some of them I'm an ally, some of them I'm just part of the group as well. And I have to say that it really does give a different perspective when you understand what other people go through. And if you don't have an ERG in the company that you work for, this podcast has also been a huge way for at least for me to understand really what people go through. And from all different diversity, all different backgrounds, people coming from all across the world to come to the United States to you know live out the dream. And there's just a lot of stuff that people go through that we never know about. And I think having these resource groups and having something where an outlet where people can understand and feel empathetic and get that not everybody has this grew up like you, I think it's just really important. And I just, I'm so glad that you're doing that. And thank you, Taya. It, it means a lot to everybody, especially those at SLB. So we appreciate everything that you're doing there. But mm -hmm. to, to end, we cannot leave out that you're a mom, which is, there should be like a whole, if there probably is a whole resource group for that, but like you're a mom and you have an incredible career. You've moved all around the world. Tell us what is the one thing that you ensure that, you know, we all experience mom guilt, parent guilt, whatever you want to call it. I know we all experience it. You know, what have you done to, you know, not feel it as much or, you know, overcome it or, you know, what, what are those little things that advice you can give us as parents, especially those new parents on like, what can they do moving up in their career, trying to balance everything? What's worked for you? Yes, motherhood. <laughs> so first of all, the first thing is there's never a perfect time to have a child. You can plan it. You think there's a perfect time, but it's not. Once the child gets here, it completely changes your life. And the amount of love that you get from your own child, it just basically says that, you know, wow, this little life loves me. I can do, even though you get upset and you have the mom guilt, they still greet you with a big hug and a smile. So first thing I would realize that what affects you is not what the child's thinking. A lot of times, if you, especially if they're small kids, you give them ice cream, cake, a hug, they're good. But we want to do a big, like thousands of dollar birthday parties, et cetera, right? I also want to highlight that, you know, that being a mother is sacred, but 
there's so many other ways you can be a mother, right? I have an aunt. She doesn't have kids at all, but she's a mother to us. You can adopt and be a mother to people in the community. You can even join a team. And in Africa, they gave me the name of being a good, strong mother. So there's so many ways that you can be a mother. It's not biologically, right? And I would say with mom guilt, I actually highlight what I'm doing to my son, what I'm doing in my company with my son. (laughs) So he actually, he's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, there's no such thing as kind of many places take your child to work today. But my son has actually been in my office. I've kind of shared and invited him on team calls. I kind of show him how I'm being impactful in the community and what I'm doing in bold and with talent acquisition and looking for people that look like him at these universities to start them on their career. What I'm doing in mentorship, what I'm doing in technology with the field and the hard hat and the coveralls, because kids want to actually see that you're being impactful and they're curious. Mm-hmm. So I guess the best advice I would give is that keep your child involved. A lot of times we don't share those things about what we're doing at work, but you know, you have to make a kid friendly, but you know, Hey, I went to work today and we had a meeting. Then my son may be like, Oh, all y'all do is just meet and have a bunch of meetings. But yeah. you can be like, no, we did this at work and we have this huge technology and that no one's ever done this in the world. And we're going to do this to the customer and it's millions of dollars. And, you know, if I mess this up, then it's going to cost the company millions of dollars. They're like, whoa, how are you going to pay that back? So <laughs> the lesson learned is, you know, involve your kids, share with them what you're doing. And it takes away that guilt because when they see you in action and they see the difference that you're making, then they ask more questions and, you know, you just being there in their presence actually is what they enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. So when you have that time, spend that quality time with them, focus on what matters most. But when you have to be at work, try not to feel as guilty as much because you can share with them your day. My son, believe it or not, he says, hey, mommy, how was your day? How was your review? What did they say? So those things miss. OK, it's important. And he actually cares. I agree. Uh, That's super great advice. You know, Jamie and I were talking about motherhood guilt ourselves like a week or two ago, going with our daughters. Mine's almost two and Jamie's is two. And it is difficult. It's always going to be there regardless. But a lot of the people we've had on the podcast, like yourself, that's one of the best advice is like involve them once they're old enough. And then they feel like they're going on this trip with you, even though they're not, but they're like, and or bring them something back that, you know, like you just make it fun for them where they're like, oh, mom's out, you know, killing it and going up in her career or traveling the world. And they get excited to be part of your career versus you making it negative, like, oh, mom's going to have to leave another week. And so it's really just kind of how you place it. And so we like, I love that you mentioned that because it, it truly, truly is. And last thing for those listening is quite a few people we've had on the podcast who have spoken to their kids later on who are 20, you know, 25 years old. And they would go back on certain things that maybe hurt them as they grew up. Like, you remember that 10 year old birthday that I missed and they're still kind of struggling over it. They're like, I don't even remember that. Like, what are you talking about? Or, exactly. you know, so it's like when you talk to your kids later on, there's a lot of things that we like, you know, are super upset to ourselves about missing X or whatever because of work. And they're like, I didn't even remember that. And so just know that it's okay. We've all got this. <laughs> hundred percent. Okay. I've missed many birthday parties, even ones I planned because of a flight delay. And it was catastrophic to me. I got there late over three or four different flights. But when I got there, my son was like, Hey mommy. <laughs> you were you know, you were like stressing out for days. Oh yeah. my God. The emotions that we're going through was a lot. <laughs> uh, well, it's nice to know we're in good company and we're all feeling the same. We can all find ways to overcome it. And it's getting great advice from people like you, Taya, that really help us all. So thank you so much 
for coming on the podcast, for being a speaker at our event this past March, Pursuing Greatness. And we just, we hope to hear more from you. So stay tuned. Maybe the next event we have Taya join us again. So just thank you so much. And I know everybody's going to get a lot out of today. No, thank Thank you, ladies. You all are so amazing. I don't know if we're going to close it, but I do want to leave three or four key takeaways. Oh, yes. You know, Yes. yes. So it may seem like I have it all together, but the struggle is real. And it's a lesson learned that make you stronger and your failures and learning from those failures as well. But the key takeaways, I would say, is establish your personal branding. Know what it is and use them to enhance your career. Be impactful. You know, make a difference. Be bold. You know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Steer your career because no one's going to steer it for you. And last but not least, be you. Be your authentic, genuine self. So those are the takeaways I want to leave with the audience. Thank you, Taya. And ladies, you're amazing. If you like this podcast today, please like, subscribe, leave us a comment, ping us, email us. We'd love to hear from you and hope to see you at the next one or hear you at the next one. (laughs) Thanks.